0: And are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help
1: you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: Moreno, New Zealand. Good morning to you and courtesy of Brant, your experts in agricultural uh, information and supplies, including, of course, the wonderful John Deere, the beautiful big green and yellow machines. Uh, we bring you the show for the next uh, three hours. And when I say we, I mean Brian Ruttery in Auckland and Louis Herman Watt uh, down there in Christchurch. Uh, the show today, particularly early on, we'll, we'll talk about uh, racing industry and this new deal. Uh, and we'll go straight to the top with the minister for racing Mr. Kieran McConalti. Uh, Louie and I uh, talking to him about uh, the issues surrounding that announcement which uh, makes the change imminent, imminent sooner than you think actually. Uh, just after 9:30 because uh, we have a lot of punters uh, listening into our show. Love to hear your thoughts uh, once you've heard from uh, the minister. I'd love to hear your thoughts uh, via um, Talk back if you like, or you can text us. You can call us on 0800 150 or you can text us on double eight double three as well. Uh, either mode, will accept. We'd love to hear from you personally. Uh, we would uh, really like to hear um, the, the in terms of uh, your thoughts on this change. On this change. It's going to be big, especially for those of you, those of us that don't want to punt with overseas outlets. It's going to be big. So uh, what are your impressions about going into a situation where you're governed, Basically, how you bet, where you bet, and uh, with whom you bet. Uh, We'll have a multi for you uh, just before uh, 10 o'clock. Also, uh, we would like to uh, talk to Mike Angove this morning. Why is that? Well, Joe Parker's back in action, isn't he? Joe Parker's got a a fight tonight, and uh, Kaikara France uh, is in action at the weekend. So too, Dan Hooker. So uh, not a bad time to talk to uh, our expert in pugilism. Uh, We'll have a panel for you this morning. Uh, we'll also uh, have a sports desk uh, later in the morning, uh, courtesy, of course, uh, of Polaris. Uh, field Day specials are out now, so uh, Polaris Field Day, and get up to $2,500 free accessories on Polaris Ranges. I can tell you that right here and now. Hoping to talk to Jerry Coney. I'm not quite sure where Jerry is at the moment, whether he's in the vineyards around Picton or Marlborough, or whether he may be winging his way already to England, and uh, there is a uh, a big announcement on our commentary team. The commentary team, which you will be hearing throughout the World Test Championship and the Ashes, who's going to be part of that? Maybe giving you a clue as to the New Zealand content in that. Just then, uh, we'll talk to Andy Thompson too. Around 11:45 this morning, because of course it's Wednesday and that's Rural Roundup Day, big day.
3: Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's sermon.
2: So you're a punter, and let's be fair, a lot of you are listening into the station are punters. Hey, I'm holding up my hand as high as I can as I speak. You may be a punter that's bet solely through our TAB, or you may bet elsewhere in the world, or perhaps you like the option to entertain both possibilities depending on odds and conditions like cashing out at opportune times. How do you feel about option B being taken off the table? Well, it's about to happen, it seems. I mean, we're Kiwis, aren't we? We're quite used to freedom of choice. Ain't that one of the luxuries of living where we do? In fact, we are hearing as soon as June the 1st. Hell, that's next week. We are with Entain folks, the British gambling giant. They will run the cutter, we are told, the benefit to the industry, a safeguard, a guaranteed future. And I suppose if you want to put it that way, that can't be bad, can it? But just as with most major shifts, then this is a biggie there all will in time be casualties entains reputed efficiency will in time two years time actually mean a significant reshuffling of the deck chairs many of which will be thrown overboard jobs will be lost Uh, when you throw big numbers around gambling the problem gambling foundation get out the worry beads and to be fair entain we are told have had their issues in the uk for what were described as completely unacceptable anti-money laundering and safe gambling failures failures yes uh, you'd be dreaming Jonesy if you believe that uh, it isn't being seriously scrutinized here as well and will continue to be uh, shortly through all this the safeguard of the industry and the punter is paramount from all accounts that will be the end result it's just gonna take a bit of getting used to though being told how to bet and where and when to bet back to the TAB for many is a sort of out with the new and in with the old although the old will be new. Interesting times ahead, it seems. Watch this space. Well, it's been described as one of the most significant days in the history of racing and wagering in this country, and it's not hard to see why. Yesterday our next guest the minister for racing uh, Kieran McConalti uh, announced uh, the approval of a 25-year partnership between the TAB and UK betting company Entain that delivers at least 900 million in guaranteed funding for racing over the next 5 years. The deal secures a 150 million upfront boost to the racing and sporting codes which will be distributed accordingly uh, among those uh, the TAB has agreements with. It also leaves room for the TAB to keep reserves in place to ensure any COVID-like disruptions on the horizon aren't as catastrophic financially for the racing industry next time around. Touching wood, there isn't any, of course, obviously. Entains scale and expertise in the gambling space is going to be a shot in the arm for Kiwi punters who may have strayed elsewhere in recent times. The possibilities and opportunities for racing administrators to now lure those customers back are nearly endless, and that will be top priority for those at the heart of it. Minister for Racing joins us now. He's on the line. Uh, G'day, Minister. Yesterday must have been a pretty special day for you in particular, uh, knowing uh, the passion that you have had for the industry over the years. Good morning.
4: Yeah, good morning, Smithy. So it was actually. It was a hugely satisfying day for me personally, but also for the industry to be able to announce it at Karaka there and then have, you know, people from across the industry and sports to, you know, willingly come along to be there in person to listen. That was that was pretty cool. And, and the uh, feedback we've got so far is resoundingly positive as well.
2: That's great. Uh, One of the the biggest issues, of course, you insisted upon was uh, the employment issue. Uh, Around 460 New Zealanders, uh, based with the TAB, guaranteed jobs for another couple of years.
4: Yeah, well, I'm confident that once things are established in New Zealand and the investment comes in, that there will be growth in the sector, but there can't be growth if they let people go straight away. Uh, They'll go off to other sectors and then we'll potentially lose them. So I wanted to guarantee that they'd have their jobs for two years while things bid in, while the investment comes in, and then they'll be in a position to be able to guarantee those jobs moving forward I reckon, but that key thing was to get that guarantee underway for the first two years.
5: How tricky of a deal like this is it to pull off, Minister, as far as the nuts and bolts around the numbers are concerned $150 million up front and then Intain promising an annual distribution to rise to about $200 million in five years I assume that's as fair as humanly possible from your point of view?
4: Yeah, well, uh, from what I understand of the three options that the TOB were negotiating, this is uh, far and above any other competitor. It's a massive return for racing and sports uh, and also invests in harm minimisation as well. The key thing for me is that as Minister, I had had no role in the negotiations, but I was the one that had to sign it off. So I had to be absolutely confident that it was going to return to the sector And I was, once we looked into it, once we uh, talked to uh, others involved in the industry to see what it would mean for them, it became pretty clear to me. I wanted that assurance about jobs. I wanted an assurance that this wasn't going to be a backdoor way for an overseas brand to operate in New Zealand when they can't currently. And I wanted there to be uh, money invested into Harman and Sport. And so I've got all those things. And so I was happy to sign it yesterday.
2: Minister, I think it's fair to say that all three of us uh, on this call um, are or have been <laughs> punters over the years so a vested interest <laughs> in the industry. What will what will this deal with Entame? What will it ultimately offer the punters that they perhaps aren't getting now?
4: Well, look. The fact is that the TAB exists to give back to racing and we wouldn't be able to compete on the world stage like we do if we didn't have that because we're too small but we are world, world leaders and big Part of that is a consistent revenue stream into the sector. What we can assure now with the deal with Entain is that that money stream into the sector is going to be secured, but also that DOB can now compete on a a world-leading level where they couldn't before. So everyone, we've all heard it, said, I don't go with the T O B because the odds aren't competitive enough or the product isn't good enough or whatever well, they were going to be able to tap into that international aspect of it now, the international standard. And those that have got concerns about gambling in general should also be uh, quite confident and comfortable with this because the level of harm minimisation and anti-money laundering structures that in pain have are actually far superior to what New Zealand law requires. So even that's going to improve. So all around, every way I looked at this, this was a no-brainer once we were able to achieve those things I outlined earlier.
5: Yeah, there's a level of sophistication on all levels that we're about to see, which is exciting. But what about winning punters, Karen? What sort of assurances do you have in place for those? And punters promise has been one of the, I guess, most industry-leading innovations we've seen anywhere around the world. Is there anything you can do to assure winning punters that they will continue to be able to win?
4: I can't um, go in and tell the TOB what to do, but what I can do is give a uh, clear indication as to on what basis I've approved the agreement. And uh, I laid that out yesterday is that because um, there were two things announced yesterday uh, the agreement, and then uh, Cabinet has agreed with, with my intention to go and look at restoring the TOB's monopoly. Uh, but with that comes a concern that punters that are good will get locked out. So I wanted to go to great lengths yesterday to say that that shouldn't be the case, that Kiwi punters need a fair deal, they need good competitive odds, but also if they're good at what they do and they beat the bookies, they shouldn't be punished. Um, And so I think that message got received uh, yesterday. I've spoken to those in the TAB and and they kept that. I think it's important because uh, we need to look after those uh, and prevent those with problem gambling from taking part but we, don't, we shouldn't be punishing those who are actually quite good at this game because there are a few of us
2: around. There are a few of us around. Um, I think it's fair to say. Um, <laughs> M- Minister, uh, any idea how much um, money w- we lose to over- sh- offshore bookies um, on average? I mean, say uh, in a $1,000 punted, um, ha- ha- how much of that do you think would be invested overseas? Well, I've
4: seen reports of up to $600 million every year goes to overseas providers. Um, and then a big chunk of that would obviously be in sports and racing. But even if you go conservative and say it's, it's 150 mil, that's 150 mil that could be coming through the TAB and propping up our, our sports and our racing industry. And the one thing I keep pointing out to I know you guys get this, but not many people realise, this is a $1.6 billion export industry. You know, we are selling our horses to the world uh, 8% of uh, Group 1 starters in Aussie were Kiwi horses, but we won 30% of the races. We're world leaders. If the TOB and the domestic racing scene falls over, so too does that $1.6 billion export industry, and we can't take any risks with that. It's too important.
5: We are world leaders, but the product domestically hasn't been able to keep up. And, and, and you say exports. Well, we've lost a lot of human and, and, well, equine IP over the last few years. This windfall creates an opportunity now for the industry and the codes to be able to fix their product. How much faith do you have in the people leading our codes? And I guess how much synergy do you have with them around your vision, their vision, and ultimately what the product looks like in the coming years?
4: I've got real faith uh, in particularly in Harness and and Gallops around uh, what they they know they need to do and their willingness to go ahead and do it because they recognize that uh, horse racing in particular is not just against other competitors when it comes to uh, forms of punting but it's actually against other competitors when it comes to forms of entertainment so you've got that entertainment dollar they want to be at the forefront of a family's mind where they decide where should we go for the weekend or what should we do as a group of mates to, to go out and enjoy ourselves. They recognise that. And I'm actually uh, got a, quite buoyed by uh, the enthusiasm and the recognition of what has to be done because they can't keep coming back to government asking for changes here and there. If the New Zealand racing uh, industry can't perform in, under these conditions, particularly with the TAV, getting a monopoly in the future, then it was never going to perform. They know that, and I reckon they're going to go ahead and do it.
2: Minister, New Zealanders quite like uh, the freedom of choice. Uh, I think uh, that's the kind of lifestyle we've become used to. Do you expect a backlash in this particular case from uh, those people who... Uh, have got healthy accounts overseas, uh, who have got perhaps accounts with uh, the TAB in New Zealand, and look at other options on a daily or a race-by-race basis. you expecting any backlash from those people when uh, effectively you're saying only here?
4: Yep, I am. Because there's two ways to look at this, eh? There's uh, the position of a punter who wants to get the best odds on the best product and likes to shop around, and then there's the perspective of the industry. And as Racing Minister, obviously I've I care about the punters because I am one myself, but first and foremost, my responsibility is to ensure that the racing industry does well. The TAB was set up as a monopoly to begin with, and that's why a country of our size has been able to do so well overseas for so long, but it didn't envisage the onset of online gambling. And so as soon as that came, year by year, the share that the TAB has been getting has been dropping, distributions to the racing industry and sports has been dropping, and I'm looking at reports to say that tob has got three years to live if we don't do something, and there'll be a flow-on effect if it falls over. That's my responsibility as Minister to sort out, and so that had to be my primary
5: focus. You said that harness and thoroughbreds, you've got confidence around there, you naturally left off greyhounds as a code. Yesterday we, we saw your, well, stern warning, and there's work to do here, a lot of work to do here. How thin is the ice for the greyhound industry as a whole?
4: Uh, It's about as thin as you get, if I'm honest with you. I mean, they've had every chance under the sun to be able to demonstrate, one, that they recognise that change is required, and two, that they've changed. Uh, They have made a lot of improvement, there's no doubt about that, Um, but, uh, and their, their fate isn't sealed, but they do need to respond to that report very clearly and outline what it is that they plan to do to improve the safety of dogs, because animal welfare is as important as anything else when we're talking about the integrity of an industry. And uh, if uh, the other codes who can, who, in my view, um, there's a reason they haven't come under the focus of animal welfare people because they take it so seriously and can demonstrate that. If greyhounds, uh, through the questions that they are facing, start to undermine the other two codes that's an industry-wide issue that they need to address as well. So I'm taking this really seriously. If they come back and can demonstrate things and they can demonstrate that they can still operate under strict conditions, then that may be where they go. If they can't, then they face closure. And there'll be no dilly-dallying on this. They've got a, a short period of time to come back to me and then I've got to go to Cabinet with a recommendation and those are the only two options I'm going to be putting forward. Uh,
2: Minister, that uh, is very concerning to hear because uh, just like um, the TAB, uh, et cetera, there is uh, quite a lot of employment based, uh, based around the greyhound industry and you're probably talking about, what, 5 or 10% getting it wrong and, uh, and uh, affecting the other 90% who are pretty much getting it right. Is that a fair sort of mix? And what would happen in terms of the industry? Those people are just gone?
4: Well, yeah, this is what we need to answer. How does it, if we are, and I do want to emphasise that, if we are to go down that road, what will it mean in practice? What will happen to the dogs? What will happen to the people? You know, I've been taking every opportunity to point out that um, there are really good people in the greyhound sector who take animal welfare incredibly seriously that are being under, undone by a small number of people and potentially decisions that have been made at the top. And I really feel for them. Um, but how many chances do you get you know, the thing is that the injuries are still at a really concerning level. So too are other aspects throughout that report. There has been improvement, yes, but at this, at this in 2023, when we're looking at uh, the requirement for animal welfare to be at the forefront of the mind, when we're still seeing the numbers coming through, when the industry has been on notice for 18 months and there's been three other reports recommending changes that haven't been adopted, at what point do you say you've had your fair chance?
2: Just finally, um, now that um, you know you've, you've made this move in terms of um, the TABS side of it with Antane, uh, how soon, how soon will we see um, this coming into effect? First of June. Thank you. So Thank you, much. Yeah, <laughs> we're not mucking around. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not you got them in the barrier very quickly. Uh, Minister, thank you very much uh, for your time this morning. We r- realise uh, you're a uh, very busy man. You've got plenty of other things to do today. So we appreciate your time in explaining further uh, this deal with Entain and the situation with the Greyhound r- uh, industry. Expe- uh, really appreciate your honesty and upfrontness in that regard. Thank you, sir. Have a great day.
4: Appreciate the opportunity. Cheers, lads.
2: SCNZ.
5: It's Kiwi for sport. Call any time 800 one five zero eight eleven.
0: 811 Brandt are experts in agriculture covering your equipment, parts and service needs
1: to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ.
2: Right, uh, you've heard from the Minister, um, Kieran McAnulty, of course, and uh, we've already had a text uh, from John saying uh, probably the most honest IOV I've ever heard from an MP. Um, Certainly he was up front, particularly about the greyhound racing industry. Now, uh, where we want your calls? Just after uh, 9.30, um, 0800 150811. If you're in the greyhound racing industry, if you're close to someone in the greyhound racing industry, um, you must be very concerned. You must be seriously concerned about that. Uh, last warning, basically. Three strikes almost, they've had, had them. So, uh, Louis, um, yeah, uh, he was uh, pretty upfront with the whole deal, uh, particularly concerning there, and quite a lot of uh, information coming through on uh, the Entain side of things, and I think the consensus is safety for the industry.
5: It's been a big 24 hours, Smithy, since we got off here yesterday. It uh, it is it is industry-defining. For When we say industry-defining, for me, I'm talking about the racing industry, which hasn't been at its best over the last decade, and people know that. Our product has deteriorated. This is not just a lifeline, but this is essentially an injection that will be sustained. And I'd heard Bruce Sharrock talking, and he's the CEO of New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing, which is... Our biggest code, it's far bigger, creates far more turnover than harness racing or greyhound racing or sports, uh, as far as I'm aware. Um, Bruce Sharrock talking about not wanting this to be a sugar rush. This has to be sustained. They have to be very methodical, look at spreadsheets, crunch the data and make sure that this lasts for a very long time. And that's why it was so important when I asked Kieran McAnulty if he has faith in administrators and those now responsible with sustaining this and creating change in the industry, when he said, yes, he does, well, that's a good thing because it's his job to do the due diligence and, well, essentially determine whether this is going to go to the right people to make the right decisions. It's not just a lifeline for the industry. I I genuinely think this is probably going to save hundreds, if not thousands, of jobs and $1.6 billion worth of... um, well, money heading into our economy, it's not small business we're talking about. And this is what you'd have to try and explain to some people that don't quite grasp what racing does for our economy. It's not small business. It's important. So I think yesterday's deal can't really be understated. Now, there's lots of minutiae and nuts and bolts and funds here and who, what it actually looks like and what it means. And punters will have a million questions. And I've got a, a few questions that we're going to try and determine between now and Saturday... I'm going to run a show on Saturday between 10 and 11 called The Deal on SCNZ, post the mail run, where we try and talk to everybody in one place and try and find out what it all means, because I, like punters, have questions, and we've got texts coming in already, but I'd love to hear from people on 0800 150 811.
2: Absolutely, yeah, we open up the line straight after the news here with uh, Araha coming up, but yeah, 0800 one five oh eight eleven. O We know there are passionate punters out there. We know because we see the text. Uh, you want to know the odds. You want to know the tips. You want to know the information uh, which we are able to give you here. But this is a big new thing. This is a new step um, in a different direction uh, involving a lot of the same people but totally new ownership. So uh, we've a, a, it's very, very interesting. I mean, for me, here's a question um, you might like to consider yourself when, uh, when you ring up. Um, you know, I, I go to England quite a lot over the years, uh, and I, I'm i a punter, so I go to betting shops. Betting shops on every corner, a Coral, a Ladbrokes, or whatever. There's betting shops all around the joint. You can't bet in pubs over there, so you can't. Casinos are licensed over there. You need to be a member or have special dispensation to get into them. So it's, it's not a free market as such over there in terms of the casinos. But here's the thing. Um, we're closing down most of our TAB agencies. Our front, our front shops are, are going. Uh, You know, they are the the big ones, you know, the big and popular ones, the ones of Brandon Street and Wellington, gone. Frankton, uh, Hamilton, gone. Uh, Many, many more around the country. Um, The English betting industry, the UK betting industry, is very much a personalised one where you go into a shop, you make your investment, uh, you watch the race, you either collect or you don't, you go home or you go somewhere else. That is what it's about. Hard to do in this part of the world at the moment. 9.31 here on SENZ, please. 0800 811 if not double eight double three. Louis and I would love to hear from you after the news here with Aroha.
1: 1476am in Auckland. This is SENZ. It's Kiwi for sport. Exposed places. High 18, low 8. Welcome to your home for the Rugby World Cup. Live commentary starts from September 9 on SENZ. Call back time with Smithy. Call now 0800
3: 150
2: 811. Right, uh, 9.33 here on SENZ and uh, first cab off the rank this morning is uh, Joey from uh, Auckland. Joey, what are you made of all of this?
6: Yeah, g'day Smithy and Huey, yeah well you know it's a concern because I mean um, I'm a punter like you guys you know and I've, I've, I have been all my life and I, I, I love the racing game and, and that three coat, any three coats and you know especially the greyhounds I mean if um, if, they, if, they get a, if they've got problems with the greyhounds Smithy I can't work out you know that what are we doing different or wrong compared to Australia, well, I know Australia's a lot bigger and, and and it's it's all the, the industry, it's all the people that lose jobs, uh, Louis and Smithy, you know, like there's breeders that are, that are breeding greyhounds and that, you know, I mean, just to cut them off, I, I, I know, I think one or two um, have just um, upgraded their track and everything. Now, they would have spent probably millions on, on doing that. And I know uh, it's all about animal welfare. I can understand, you know, dogs that, and, and having attractions proper for, um, you know, racing as well, you know, the track's good and, and, and everything for the horses and, and the dogs, but, you know, um, to to get rid of that, you know, like Huey said before, there's thousands of jobs, I mean, it's the biggest um, employment in, well, was the biggest employment in New Zealand, as far as I know, I think it still is, and it's part of our DNA, and, and I just hope that the, the Minister's been talking to Edward uh, Riddell as well, you know. Um, obviously, you would think he has been to get that sorted out with the greyhounds, but even with the um, with the uh, the, um, the gallops and that, you know, I don't bet a lot in overseas, you know. So uh, I bet on the EPL, and that's that's about it. But um, as you said, Smithy, you can go in England, you just walk into a um, a bookies and, and put a bet on, no problems at all, you know. And I think it will just kill a lot of uh, a lot of stuff. To be honest, uh, in New Zealand, you know, especially um, you know, what what I'm just really grateful that you guys have got sport going again, because when we lost Radio Sport, it, it was, I think it was it was, it was a massive loss. I'm glad your station's back and doing this. You know, I don't know what you guys think.
2: Well, I'll start, um, uh, Joey. Yeah, I, it's like to um, uh, back to the back, the future to the back for me, because um, you know we grew up with the TAB was the only outlet you could bet bet on Uh, I mean uh, and I go back to just uh, tickets and those yellow carbonated tickets you used to go into TABs and line up for um way 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 back so the industry is always progressing forward uh and then I I, I've got to confess uh, I I have an overseas account with Bet365 one of the reasons I like that is that at the time they gave uh, they've been giving better odds uh better cash out facilities um, you know, um, first past the post. Um, they don't they pay out on first past the post. They don't wait for inquiries. You get your money straight away. Um, you know, there's all sorts of things that just made it a little bit more appealing at the time. I've still got a TAB New Zealand account, uh, but primarily I'm um, a three six five guy. So I'm going to have to change. Um, you know, by the sounds of things, um, they're going to block that geo block that. So I'm going to have to make um, an adjustment there. There will be people, I am sure who don't like to be dictated to and uh, may just get a little bit shitty uh, about this whole thing, Louis, that they, they might just say, well, to hell, yeah you can't tell me what I'm going to do with my money. Um, well, yes, you can, uh, and they're about to.
5: Yeah, I know people that will do that, and I know that there's lots of punters out there. I mean, Paddy says, pretty messed up with the government, can't just geo-block offshore gambling websites, create a monopoly, and then have the gumption to say it's a good thing. Look at supermarkets and what they... Do and it's a duopoly. TAB can dictate the market with no fear of losing customers or annoying people. Well, Patty, you sent that text before you heard from the minister. Now I don't know, Smithy, but I get the sense from Kieran McInnulty he's a pretty stand-up guy and he has, in no uncertain terms, told the TAB and Intain. And I don't know. I mean, how much trust? where does the line of trust stop and start? I mean, they know that they can't essentially, if they want to run a monopoly, they can't just start treating customers like shit because they'll lose them. They will know that. I mean, where else, where are customers going to go? Well, they'll get VPNs and they'll disappear. I mean, there's ways around everything these days for the most part of people, most people they will just stop punting if the product is not good enough now what does that do well that creates detrimental effects to the racing industry so i don't think that's quite right patty you know there's no gain in the new tab tame whatever that looks like treating customers poorly so you use bet365 smithy i've used ladbrokes bet365 neds um, sports bet i've used them all throughout the years and the reason you do that is because of promotions and mostly better odds now if they can't be competitive with odds i don't see how they can go forward which tells me they have to be competitive with odds and i think that that's when i go back to this line of starting and stopping trust i think you just have to well determine yourself that they can't go forward without putting a level of trust in us and us putting a level of trust in them because this whole this whole deal will just crumble It, it won't work it just simply would not
2: well, that's interesting because um, going back to Paddy's point, Paddy's saying they don't have to be competitive because they've got no competitors. Uh, so that's, that's, that's uh, uh, you know, you can monitor. You, you and I will be able to monitor, and people around the country who have got overseas betting sites will be able to monitor the TAB New Zealand's odds against Betfair's odds, against uh, 365 uh, odds. Uh, we can do that, but we just can't access them. That's effectively what they're trying to get to the point. So that might lead to frustration or whatever. But the fact of the matter is we won't be able to do, as a punter, we won't be able to do anything about that. And that's, I think, the point that Patty is is trying to make there is that there will be no competition. And free market trading, uh, really, Louis, over the years, has been about competition.
5: Yeah, and I understand that people would hear me and say that I'm being naive. How, how could you trust a corporate? Well... I mean, at the end of the day, this is there's there's a part of this which is also bigger than the punter, and that's the racing industry, and that's where Kieran McInulty said he is ultimately the minister for racing, and that is safeguarding that 1.6 billion dollar industry from losing hundreds of millions of dollars. You asked the question, Smithy, hundreds of millions of dollars a year offshore when it could be coming into our pocket to make a better product to safeguard the next generation to create keep make sure we've got new jockeys wanting to get into the game new punters wanting to get into the game um, each stable can afford to pay people they can find staff it's lucrative it's an industry that people want and so there's a part of it which is actually beyond the punter as well and, and that's why it's quite a it's quite a wide-ranging subject isn't it because you kind of can't just wear one hat when you look at it
2: well, you know, there's, there's lots of, of, of things to consider here. Um, over the years, the TAB have given back to a lot of sport, um, particularly in sports betting where a percentage of investment, a percentage of turnover goes straight back um, to uh, those particular sports it's waged on. That will be a bonus because if that policy continues, of course, with no money going overseas and that money coming back into New Zealand again, they'll be the beneficiaries of, of more money, you would assume. Uh, haven't quite got to the bottom of uh, where Entain stands on that kind of thing. But, Joey, thank you very much for your call. Uh, let's get to uh, Zade, shall we, Brian? We'll, we'll get to Zaid. Uh, and, Zaid, thanks very much for the updates on those fight dates. Uh, we're going to talk to Mike Gango very shortly. Uh, but what are, what are your impressions of this? So
3: that's all good. Um, Just on the CAB, does that mean they'll have to bring in a brand new app or will they keep the same app or don't know about that?
5: No, you'll have the same app. What I would suggest, and there's another text here asking uh, from uh, I, Richard, I guess that the TAB website will change again. Last time that happened, apparently 50 mil was spent on upgrade 50 mil was lost in income because people found it too hard to navigate. What's happening in that space? It's good good question, Zayde, and Richard, that was an absolute disaster. When we talk about Entain's sophistication and expertise in this area, we're talking about they can provide a far better product than we have at the moment. So, it'll still be the a similar version of the app. You probably have to download the update like you do with your other apps. But I would expect it to be far more functional, far more competitive, and far more promotions for punters. And this was the whole point of Entain and part of their pitch. They could do that on a large scale. So, I hope that answers your question, Richard and Zad.
3: Um, just quickly, I just want a few questions you can put to, Um, Angro, for me please. play um, Ian Smith. Just kind of yes. thinking, like... um. Say if um, Kai Car France does win next Sunday, does that mean that um, he will be in line for a title fight with the winner between Pantoja and um, Brandon Moreno, which is coming up, I think, soon? And then quickly, um, another like kind of thing is um, like what kind of does he think? Because um, like you know Dan Hooker, the guy he's fighting is a lot taller than him, this guy called Jalen Turner. Um, he's quite a tall dude, and that's who. Um, that's who uh, he was meant to fight last time. And, like, yeah, just kind of, like, it's kind of like saying if if, uh, Dan Hooker loses, how much does he have left in him um, in the UFC? And then the other thing I had was, what's his thoughts on um, the UFC going to Sydney? And, like, where does he think or is indicated that they will do the pay-per-view? Because I know that they've signed the next three pay-per-views or the next four years where they've done the UFC in Melbourne, which um, Israel Asanya preferred because they got like 57,000 crowds. I'm not sure if there's any indoor stadiums or a roof in Sydney. I'm not sure if that Allianz Stadium's got a full-covered roof. But, um, yeah, so that, those are kind of my questions to put to um, Angrove.
2: OK, we'll do that, uh, Mike uh, Angrove, uh, after uh, 10 o'clock. I'll uh, try and ask him as many as uh, I can out of that lot, uh, Zade. Uh, Scott from uh, Waikato is uh, on the line. Good morning to you, Scott.
7: Morning, Smitty. How are you?
2: Yeah, interested about this. This is huge uh, for the betting industry and uh, also the news about the greyhounds too. Uh, what's your take on it?
7: So, Smithy, I take it from a little bit of a different angle. I'm uh, a breeder in the Waikato. I own quite a big farm within the industry and I probably have uh, you know, three or four horses in work at any one time. For, for, purely from my perspective, and I think those people who involve the game that I'm in, this is just out the gate massive. Um, you know, as long as I've been doing this, and it's 30 years now, uh, it has been a, a, we've seen the rude Mare band and we've seen our, mm. our product on a Saturday uh, constantly diminish. Our be- very best horses are uh, being sold overseas um, and our, our actual, you know, weekend product is, is, is definitely not what it used to be. Um, with this investment and with um, certainty around this investment, uh, there'll be an increase in stakes. Now, from, from the industry's point of view, stakes are the, basically the... It's everything. Uh, with stakes, uh, obviously, we'll be running around for better money, which will mean that uh, we'll get more investment. People will be more invested, uh, interested in playing the game. If they're interested in playing the game... Broodmares will come back online. Um, we'll, you know, we've probably lost certainly in my career two thousand old broodmares. Um, so with that, then our middle product, I mean, you go to a yearling sale, and our our top end always looks after ourselves because we perform so well overseas. Uh, but it's our middle market that has constantly struggled because our domestic racing's just, quite frankly, hasn't been up to scratch.
2: Right, uh, Scott, so much uh, to, to, to um, get my head around there, our, our heads around there. Um, uh, thanks for that. Um, Louie and I will um, just, um, I think we'll mull over those, those uh, uh, observations from yours. Uh, we've got time constraints here, um, so we have to go to a break. But uh, thank you very much for your call there, and uh, I I get where you're coming from. Uh, Scott from uh, the Waikato, heavily, I mean heavily involved Uh, and the future of the industry. It's 9.46. In Palmy North, I remember being at Fatuba Park watching the Pakistanis take on my central districts. And if I had
1: SENZ back then, I would have listened on 8.28am. Brand are experts in agriculture,
0: covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your
1: field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: Well I think it's fair to say that um, uh, in all the time I've been here coming up two years this has created as much um, feeling and as much feedback as um, any issue we've, uh, we've pretty much had here. There's a lot of punters out there quite clearly. Um, and the word monopoly comes up quite a lot uh, Louis, monopolies are terrible uh, addressed to you Have you seen how much an average domestic flight in New Zealand is right now? And that's a 51% taxpayer owned entity Their CEO came out on the weekend and said We're not a charity That's a bloke who doesn't have competition uh, Also, um, uh, very interesting How can they st- the, the, the TABC no betting uh, with overseas markets? That's from Simon uh, Aiden from uh, Focatani says hey boy something smells, name me one monopoly in any industry that's good for us, the little guy, monopoly's not a good word to use it sends warning bells from Aiden. so uh, we'll continue to uh, work our way through the next hour or so on this theme, uh, we've got uh, some USC to throw in the middle of it, maybe a little bit of cricket as well, um, and uh, we'll talk to Andrew Gordy in the next hour too, but in all honesty uh, it's an emotive subject, so we've got to run with it, it's 9.52 SCNZ, it's Kiwi for sport. Keep up to date on Twitter and Instagram at SCNZ underscore radio.
0: Brandt are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment,
1: parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ.
5: Lots of people for, lots of people against and very, very afraid of that word monopoly. I do take your point, uh, Smithy. And here is a text from Simon that I really want to get to quickly. Morning, I bet with the TAB, but I trade on Betfair, lay and back sports pre-markets, racing, I would be very, very annoyed and frustrated if I was denied access to Betfair. Now, that's a really good point. Simon because I know a lot of people that trade on Betfair and they lay certain horses or uh, use those sports pre-markets as you allude to I've asked the question, I've sent the question to the place that should theoretically give us a lead one way or another half of me suspects that maybe there would be a caveat on any monopoly that would allow you to do that because there isn't, and there wouldn't be a way to back and lay elsewise, otherwise, and that would create a lot of frustration of people like you, Simon. So I wonder if there would be a caveat about that. I've asked the question on your behalf because I think a lot of people will be curious, Smithy.
2: Absolutely. Uh, so many questions, so many texts. Uh, we'll be back with us throughout the morning, of course. Uh, we do have to focus on uh, a fight tonight, actually. Joseph Parker in action. Uh, Kaikara, France coming up too. Dan Hooker. Plenty to talk about in terms of uh, our combat world. No one better to go to than that, than uh, Lightning Mike Ango. And he's with us after the news here with Araha. Busy first hour. Thanks for your input, folks. Keep it coming.
1: Welcome to your home for the Rugby World Cup. Live commentary starts from September 9 on SENZ.
2: Brand
0: are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you
1: succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: Well it's 10.02 here and uh, martial arts are of course uh, some of the oldest disciplines known to man And have become big business in the sports world In particular the sweet science and the more recently mixed martial arts With the UFC running the highest level of combat sports organisation on the planet uh, Like in uh, many world sports, New Zealand punches uh, way above uh, our weight um, That's a very poor pun uh, it's, uh, Some of the most uh, exciting combat uh, athletes uh, are bred and trained here Uh, City Kickbox's flyweight contender Kai Cara France headlines the next UFC fight card in Las Vegas on the 4th of June, so about uh, 10 days away, on his way back to a title match. And tonight, of course, having been reduced to midweek status, former WBO World Heavyweight uh, Champion Joseph Parker continues his quest back to a title on a card that also features a standout prospect, David Nika. Uh, joining us now to talk about the uh, prospects of what's coming up uh, is uh, our, what who we regard as our combat sports doyen. I think is CKB's trainer and former world kickboxing champion, Lightning Mike Angove. Good morning to you, Mike. Yes, for Joseph Parker, uh, it's Faenga Apello tonight. To tell us about the prospects of this fight, please.
4: Yeah, interesting fight. I mean, Joe will be in the very rare case where he will be the bigger man. Uh is basically an in fighter he wants to get inside and throw punches and bunches. Um, Joe should be too much, just in terms of uh, both experientially, he's the quicker fighter with his hands, um, and he can also live off the jab if, if he chooses to. Yeah. Um, we haven't seen it in recent times, but Joe does have um, you know, a, a very good jab, particularly against shorter fighters, so um, I, I expect this to be a, a solid performance for Joe really they are looking for uh, they're looking for something spectacular out of obviously his last bout was a little uh, underwhelming against a guy who is very defensive um, so they're really looking for a knockout um, just to to get back on the, the highlight reel uh, kind of performance and uh, you know that's what will start to sell uh, more fights for the future as he as he looks inside that top five in the heavyweight division
2: now, as I said, he's sort of a, a midweek fighter all of a sudden, which uh, is not the you know that's not the blue ribbon stuff, uh, Mike, that he's been used to in the past. If uh, this one wasn't to go well for Joe, and let's hope like hell it does, what next?
4: Uh, look, if we can't get rid of uh, Django, um, it's not a good sign. So you know, but I, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he's going to win the fight. I think he'll probably win it comfortably inside the the first six. Um, but we we just have to wait and see. Um, you know, it goes another spring chicken anymore. Um, so you know, we need to know that he's heading into the sort of renaissance of a, of his career and, and looking pretty strong. But what we have to remember too, though, is Joe has only lost uh, two elite level guys. Um, he's lost to Joshua. Obviously, uh, you know, he, he uh, lost his 2nd or last outing as well against that, that monster of a man, Joe Joyce, um, and, and he lost to Dillian. Now, I think when we go to Dillian, um, we can look at the reasons why he lost, which was a concussive um, headbutt very early in the fight. So, you know, in, in that respect, um, he has only lost to top-tier guys, you know, absolute top-tier, top-five guys. So, you know, he's still very much a, a player in the division. He's, at this stage, probably what you consider a, a gatekeeper for the top five. Uh, but he obviously wants to launch himself back up into being a contender.
2: What about post-Kevin Barry? Have you noticed anything markedly different in um, Joe Parker's style or uh, intent or attitude?
4: Look... He- it, it, it's hard to say he's, he's in between fights, uh, so he's in, kind of in between styles in a lot of ways. Um, I've noticed he um, has started to use his angle and, and uh, you know his combination punching in terms of the angles of where he's moving a, a little better, um, but look, by and large, it, it's, it's similar. I think at the level he's at, it's small things, um, and it, it's subtle changes. Um, you know, in many ways, um, you know, his, his new coach, if you like, which is not really so new, um, is trying to introduce a slightly different strategic approach to, to the fights. But ultimately, Joe's uh, kryptonite at, at the moment is he just lacks the, the finishing power at elite level. Um, he hasn't had a finish in, in quite some time. And that's really what we're looking for. Um, he needs to be sitting on his punches. And because he's not a one-punch concussive knockout artist, we need to see him using that hand speed to, to build up those uh, either surprise knockouts or the accumulation knockouts. And uh, that's what we really need to see. And we, we, look, when he fought um, Joe Joyce, he hit him enough to hurt him. He just was unable to hurt Joe Joyce. So we just need to see a, a little bit more concussion added to his strikes.
2: What about the uh, the influence now? He's sort of being uh, caught up in the, um, the Gypsy King Roadshow. Um, do you think that's a good thing for Joe or a distraction as such?
4: Um, look, the Gypsy King Roadshow is only a distraction if you allow it to be. You know, in the same way that the Road Roadshow could be a distraction. But, you know, I can tell you from personal experience, what goes on behind the scenes is very different from uh, what occurs up front. And, and I know for certain that they are training and they train very hard and they've got very smart guys in their camp. And that's what you uh, need to be concerned about. Not necessarily the periphery. Uh, not necessarily, you know, the, the fanfare and the buffoonery. What goes on behind closed doors that most people aren't privy to is actually what counts. And, uh, you know, if he's in a camp where he feels comfortable and he has been pushed to train hard, um, as well as having a very smart camp around him, that's what we need.
2: Right, uh, on the card as well tonight is uh, rising prospect uh, David Nika, scheduled to fight uh, Louis Masters with a three-win, four-loss record. Uh, Would you expect the same sort of dominance from Nika in this one?
4: Yeah, uh, look, I expect David to do well. What we really need to see from David is, uh, look, we know he has the speed and the elusiveness um, we need to see his development in his professional style. Sitting on his shots a little bit more, not getting careless and going for the knockouts, so Are still constructing it, but we need to see a little bit more concussion, if, if you like, um, with, with his shots. He's still got a, a, a very evasive, uh, I wouldn't say pit-a-pat because that's not fair, but uh, a, a, a volume style. Um, and he just needs to show that he can pick and choose his shots and mix between, you know, light and heavy. And that, that's what we want to see. We, we know he's got the talent. It's now about developing a, a professional style. Also, we've seen him get frustrated in the past uh, when, he, when he hasn't uh, necessarily hurt people and starting to get clipped a little bit as his speed wanes sort of in, in rounds three, four, five um so he he needs to show the ability to control his opponent better if it goes later um and and to make sure that he's, he's not getting clipped um that he he has control he's either shutting his guy down after he hits them or alternatively he's using hand controls to prevent them from punching
2: how high do you think uh, david's ceiling is i mean is he world champion material
4: I don't think there's any question that he's world champion material. It just depends on. Um, obviously, it depends very much on him, but he has the work ethic and the drive uh, and the talent. There's no question. So what it really depends on is uh, the, the trainers around him, the, the camps uh, that that he's involved in, uh, in order to continue to to evolve his game. And uh, you know that's something that that we've got to have a look at. Um, each fight, we need to see development. We need to see him, him progress, show some form of progression. It's not necessarily just about blasting some guy out of there. That's a false narrative that you get from boxing. But we need to see him progressing with his skills and developing a style that can defeat all comers. Because once you start to get into that top 15 level, they're all very well skilled across the different, across the different ranges and across the... Uh, the different, uh, I guess, positions in in the ring. So we need to see him developing those skills.
2: Mike, in terms of uh, your stable, um, what about the the prospects, immediate prospects ahead for Junior and Hemi going forward? Uh, have they got uh, fights booked?
4: Um, those are all those are in the negotiation at the moment. Obviously, uh, Parker's opponent Django uh, upset Hemi in the last fight. Um, and that will sit with Joe tonight, I I, I might add, that, uh, you know, if anything, uh, we took Django lightly, and um, I I don't think Joe Parker will do that tonight. So, you know, Hemi's on a a rebuild phase, obviously Junior um, as well. Um, you know, particularly after the the Lucas Brown upset, that was a that was a major for him. So you know, he needs a couple of big victories against uh, you know well recognized American opponents before he's back in the big money uh, fights and contention. So a little bit of work to do there with those boys, and um, you know, we we just have to uh, pick the right fights and make make sure that uh, when, when we do turn up, we we turn up, we don't relax we don't take anything lightly we don't make small mistakes um because at elite level that will cost you and so that that's the challenge for those boys at the moment uh in the rebuilding phase
2: right uh, let's uh turn uh, if we can to uh the ufc side of things kaikara france uh, Bursa, uh Albassi uh, is up next on uh, the 4th of June. Kai has been uh, tearing up since the birth of his child and was put out uh, by an amazing technique in his title challenge. Uh, Albasi certainly is no easy fight for him. So how are preparations and prospects for Kai? Yeah,
4: camp's going as usual. I mean, the big thing with Kai is you don't need to worry about his conditioning. You don't need to worry about his, his work ethic. Um, it, it really comes down to tactics and strategy. And uh, you know he's up against a young, hungry guy who, who's on a tear uh, at the moment. I think he's five fights undefeated uh, from from memory. Um, he's a guy who can can certainly grapple. He, he's a he's a good wrestler, um, and and he's also got ability in, in, in the striking realm. And more importantly, he's hungry and he wants to step up a level. So this is an opportunity uh, for Al to to step up to. Prove that he is, is ready to step into contention. For so Kai uh, is very much an opportunity to show that there's levels to this game and uh, you're not on my level. Now, Kai mentally has made some big shifts in the past sort of 80 months to two years and uh, he's very much a player in this division. Um, you know, and he wants to get back to that title shot. So, so for him right now, he needs to make a statement. Um, in a division which is starting to become more and more hotly contested, so he knows he can get back for that tri- trilogy match against Moreno. Um, you know, but I think he he has to get past this guy and maybe one other. Uh, there's a rematch with Brandon Rodale out there uh, potentially as well. So he needs to do that in order to uh, have another shot at UFC Gold. <laughs>
2: Uh, The other one on uh, the agenda is, of course, uh, Dan Hooker coming up as well, um, and that's uh, UFC 290 against Jalen Turner, um, and uh, this is an important one for Dan um, because he's been around the traps for a long period of time, needs needs a win. So what are the prospects there, and how's that camp going?
4: Look, he's he's coming off a win. He's in the early stages of camp. Uh, Jalen Turner, I mean, Dan Hooker does not get easy fights, and typically he's, he's taking tough fights. He's often taking them on short notice, and he doesn't necessarily get uh, credit for that. So, Hooker uh, is one of the toughest, gamest guys uh, in the UFC. There's, there's no question. So now that we've done the he's got a big, punching, extremely tall southpaw in front of him, and it's a really tough fight. So, you know, we are... Putting together the brand's trust, and Dan's working hard. That's going to be an international fight week, so that that's a big stage. But if Dan can put Turner out, uh, that means all of a sudden he's thrusting himself back into contention. That's a big victory. If he gets rid of Turner. He's perhaps one fight away from uh, you know challenging for a title again. So this is huge, um, and you know he's considered the underdog. Uh, against this guy, you know, Dan's had sort of mixed performances of, of late but, you know, it doesn't take much, a couple of adjustments and Hooker uh, will be back obviously also we've got um, Alex Volkanovski fighting the yeah Rodriguez defending his title as well there so there's, there's plenty of interest in, in that international fight week for us
5: SCNZ's Hawks Bay ratings better be going through the roof with Izzy and Smitty, you're listening to SCNZ it's Kiwi the Sport.
0: Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts,
1: and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when the hold up, know when to fold up. Smithy's Multi. Know when to walk
7: away, know when to run.
3: Bet live on your favorite sports. Download the TAB app today.
2: Well we are approaching the middle of the hump this week uh, being uh, halfway through our Wednesday show and I can tell you that so far we have had no success absolutely no success at all with our multis because yesterday I put my faith in LeBron and the Lakers it did not come to fruition Uh, they were beaten in the end by uh, Djokic and uh, Murray and the Nuggets who uh, I think are pretty much odds on favourite to win now the NBA they just look so good who will they be up against? Well, I believe they'll be up against Miami because uh, no one's ever uh, come back from uh, an 0-3 uh, to win a seven-game series at this stage. So uh, I think Miami will beat Boston today. I think the, the wind is out of their sails for the Celts. eighty uh, Miami Heat today for Jimmy Buckets and co. Uh, I think the San Diego Padres uh, will beat uh, the Washington... Uh, and the MB, uh, MLB, Major League Baseball. So the Padres to beat uh, Washington at uh, $1.58. And the Mumbai Indians to beat Lucknow. Of course, uh, Devin Conway helped last night to get Chennai up. Uh, I think the Mumbai Indians will beat uh, Lucknow in the other playoff match tonight. That's at $1.65. So the heat into the Padres into the Indians uh, for $4.69. Interesting, isn't it, that the, the Mumbai Indians can still be the mumbai indians but the cleveland indians became the cleveland guardians all well, depends on uh, what part of the world you live in i guess uh so as uh, that is the multi four dollars 69 texts has been a multitude of texts uh, fantastic actually about this issue uh why does the government just allow a second betting agency in new zealand that from dale second betting agency louie hmm interesting
5: well, I guess that they just wouldn't, it's not going to streamline the profits heading back to the racing industry, Dale. I mean, if you can have it all coming from one and everybody goes to that one place, I assume that would create more efficiency rather than having options.
2: Right, okay. Uh, how can the TAB say no betting with overseas markets? This is Simon. I mean, they just can. They, they can, they can, they can, geo, what you call geo block them. Um, I would imagine there are ways to get around geo-blocking and someone will come up with ways to get around geo-blocking. But it's, uh, it's from the outset anyway, it's not going to be easy. Look,
5: I think, Simon, the, the key point is legislation needs to be altered first and that's why this won't happen this year. I don't think it'll happen before the election at all. I think this is going to take a lot of work and... Kieran in McEnulty, as the Minister for Racing, has to be very, very confident that is what they're going to do and the absolute ramifications of it before he recommends it to Cabinet. It sounds like by all accounts he's going to, but I think the legislation side of it is probably goes over well, it goes over my head. I don't know if it goes over your head, Smithy. Um, I think there will be a lot of weeds to untangle there.
2: Phil comes in and says, uh, I agree the word monopoly emotes a lot of angst, but this is a societal issue. Keeping the money in New Zealand and putting profit to use to look after problem gamblers is a responsibility that the TAB have taken on. What are the other overseas vendors doing for Kiwis? Answer probably nothing. Uh, not in their interest. Taking their money, sure, <clears throat> but not that worried about where that money's com- coming from and how uh, responsible those particular people are in terms of their gambling. Uh, they do have uh, 365 have a timeout of facility, Um, they also post warnings etc in terms of uh, gambling responsibility as such but by and large uh, (coughs) they leave it up to the individual concern and we all know what happens uh, with the problem gamble when it's left up to the individual Um, invariably they keep gambling Louis so that is a a massive aspect of of it and um, it has to be.
5: Well Phil's almost, he's almost pushing the patriotic buttons a wee bit because Yes, at the end of the day, we. Why, if we look very altruistically at it, Smithy, we are gambling with overshore bookmakers, which goes to their margins and creates them, makes them richer. When in New Zealand, we have an alternative that will sustain our very own. You know, I mean, what what do you care about? I mean, how passionate are you? How are you? There's a great text from Neil there, which I think kind of nailed a it, nail on head for me.
2: Right, okay. flyer, it Far ahead. Is it, this the one? Would would seem long term a monopoly and ongoing racing industry, or only an overseas feeding breeding industry? Is that is that the one you are talking about? One hundred percent.
5: I mean, we're talking monopoly and sustainability, or we're talking keep options for ten dollar each way punters and fifty dollar each way punters and twenty dollar each way punters, and our breeding industry continues to be world leading, but trainers and owners and Industry participants can't afford to keep going, so we're just breeding winners for Chris Waller and Gay Waterhouse.
2: Okay, radio, it's uh, it's pretty simple. Uh, Truckloads coming in, and we shall read them out between now and midday because this is a, as I said before, a very emotive issue, and it's uh, prompted a lot of response and. Uh, we would like to perhaps find a window to get some calls as well. We've uh, seen John has been on the line and uh, Phil, of course, as well, has been on the line. We'll try and find a window for you. Uh, at the moment, we have to go to a news break. And uh, when we come back, uh, we shall be uh, with uh, one of New Zealand's most uh, respected journos and Andrew Gordy, who's actually a bit of a race guy himself. He'll some interest in this, I can promise you. Here's Aroha, wonder, And our one-hit wonder today... Uh, is a highly respected journalist Andrew Gordy, who has been there, done that, got the T-shirt for pretty much everything involved in New Zealand sport, uh, and we say uh, a really good morning to uh, Gord's as we open it up today with this uh, the story um, which has broken over the last day or two that uh, this TAB Entain deal is a goer and it's a goer as soon as the first of June. Gord's, uh, what have you made of all this?
8: Morning, Smithy. Yeah, it, it's really um, it struck a nerve, hasn't it? I noticed this yesterday on my own social media like that people did not like the idea of geo-blocking or whatever mechanism that the government is planning to use to prevent Kiwis from punting overseas. Here's the thing, though, right? I, I've got a message for, for those people. This is not your God-given right, OK? The TAB has always been a monopoly in New Zealand. The TAB was set up for the purpose of basically feeding the racing industry, supporting the racing industry. That is its purpose. Now, the racing uh, industry or the Racing Act legislation is, is way out of date. It's way out of date. And all the government is really doing here is ensuring and taking the steps to make sure that that legislation remains fit for purpose in the modern age, where obviously the majority of punters are operating in an online space. Now, the one thing I would say is that I absolutely hear why, why the punters are, are upset about this, because they've had a choice, and that choice is being taken away from them. Now, take a step back and ask yourself, why are those punters heading overseas? Well, it's because, frankly, the offering has been much better overseas. The TAB has, you know, through a lack of, a lack of resource primarily, have not been able to keep pace with the, the, the punters offering overseas with, you know, the, the the number of outlets that we we obviously talk about, you know, Bet365, Ladbroke, Sportsbed, et cetera, et cetera, we could go on. But really, what this is now about, and, and I'll use some racing parlance here, don't put the, the sulky before the horse, right? It is now upon the TAB and Entain to build a product, build a TAB product that is not just, you know, going to, going to, see them catch up to those organisations, but, but surpass. They need to be world-leading in this space to get those people back and essentially take customers off Ladbrokes, 365 and and Sportsbet. Because otherwise, it is impossible to justify the move to geo block, or, again, whatever mechanism the government decides to use to prevent New Zealanders from betting offshore. They have to create a world-leading product now, and now there are no excuses. Entain has has all of the resource, they have all of the platforms, the infrastructure to ensure that New Zealand punters have a world-class resource, I suppose, to be able to to pump with. So the ball's in their court.
2: You know, the thing that interests me is is, uh, uh, it must be bigger than I ever thought the industry in this country because Entain's huge and we're so small in terms of per capita. Uh, I just wondered, you know, what their level of interest in it can only be profit. So uh, that means big, big money.
8: Yeah, a- absolutely. And geez, the the sort of numbers that were being bandied around yesterday. Look, <laughs> I think punters should actually should actually take a look at that and realise just how big the racing industry is in New Zealand. You know, I, I saw a lot of feedback on, on even my own social media pages saying if this is just some other thing to prop up the racing industry then people don't care about that well sorry you people need to wake up because the racing industry is as big as some other you know industries in this country that employ a lot of people that you know put a lot of money through this country and like it or not you know i know i fully accept that there's a lot of people out there who do not like The sport of racing but the fact is that the racing industry is a massive industry you know and it and it goes from breeding to racing right through okay there is a lot of money in that in that industry and that's why the government is is heavily involved in this and taking these sorts of steps but it also highlights to you yeah you're asking yourself like why would a company like entame be interested in this because well that's why because this this industry is worth a lot of money and and so it's you know as Louie was pointing out before this is not really about the the $10 each wave hunter. this is about something much much bigger than that so I just think people need to sort of wake up and realize exactly what the TAV is about it's it's, it's kind of not really about you it's about it's about the you know the, the thousands of people and the millions of dollars millions if not you know hundreds of millions of dollars that are generated by this industry billions of dollars even i think 1.6 billion i think was the number that was thrown around yesterday that so that's the sort of thing that we're talking about here so yeah there, there's a much bigger picture at play here
2: part of the industry you've just been uh, uh, alluding to of course uh, andrew is the greyhound racing industry and there was almost um a real last chance um, I guess we we spoke to Kieran McAnulty this morning, he basically said last chance on their absolute last warning or it's over.
8: Yeah. And, and look, to be, if I'm being honest with you, Kieran McAnulty being, being kind. Cause you know, our, our, you know, one of our own reporters, Michael Morrow has been, you know, he's really been, uh into the greyhound industry in, in recent years and, and as he pointed out some of the things that were said by karen mckinalter yesterday were said by his predecessor these warnings have been in place the warnings are not being heeded well they're not being heeded quickly enough and by by enough people put it that way um so it feels to me as though the writing's on the wall and the the days are numbered for the greyhound industry i'm afraid which is sad to say because i know that there's a lot of good people who are involved in that industry and, and and I really genuinely do feel for them. Um, But it it just feels as though that we're heading towards an inevitability, Um, you know, and and that shouldn't actually come as a massive shock. Like I'm I'm pretty sure the number of, the number of countries in the world that, that even run greyhound racing, it's very, very small, very few. Like we're we're one of a handful kind of thing. So, you know, it it feels like it's, it's just a a flat out inevitability.
2: Hmm. Wow. Okay. And as you say, it's going to affect a lot of people. Um, Well, in action tonight, Joseph Parker. Midweek fighting these days, Joseph. So uh, he has to do something about that.
8: Yeah, he does, Smithy. I I was having an interesting chat about Joseph Parker with a few people yesterday. Um, And I think it's easy for people to take a a step back and, and look at Joseph Parker and his career and wonder... What is this guy doing? You know, he's, he's clear. You know, people might say, I'm, I'm sort of paraphrasing what they're saying, he's not in the top five in the world. He's not going to be the Fury. He's not going to be the Wilder and Usick Joe Joyce, you know, these sorts of guys. So, what's the point? Like, he's a has been, he's a journeyman. Yeah, like, maybe he's not going to win another world title. Does that mean he should retire? Does that does, just because you're not going to be the best in the world, does that mean that you should just give up? Like, imagine if we all did that, Smitty. Like, who would actually have jobs? What industries would we have? You know, if if you and I aren't aren't talking on BBC Radio 5 Live or or ESPN Radio, does that mean we should just give it away and not bother? Like, there's still a market. There is still a a career um, to be had. And I'm sure Joseph Parker wouldn't be stepping in the ring tonight um, to to have his brains bashed out if he wasn't earning decent money. So, and, and, you know, someone someone who, who I respect in the boxing uh, sort of industry um, who knows it much better than I, uh, who we all know, Dean Lonergan, um, has always said to me, the thing is Gord's a boxer is only ever two wins away from realistically having a shot at a world title. And he's absolutely right. Now you, I understand, I fully understand that you've got to be fighting against and you've got to beat the right opponents, but that's the nature of the boxing industry. And, and, as, as, as quickly as you can fall in this game, you can rise. And like boxing history is littered with those examples. Look at Andy Ruiz. Andy Ruiz got beaten by Joseph Parker for a world title in this, in this country. And then several years later, he, he's a guy who we thought, you know, he's overweight, he's not cut out to be a heavyweight boxer. And then he stunned Anthony Joshua in America and became the heavyweight champion of the world it can happen as quickly as that. So you only need to look at those examples to know that Joseph Parker's career isn't done until he says so.
2: This is the same Dean Lonigan who incidentally very wisely once said and consistently <laughs> told me, from a, from a boxing point of view, I believe it's better to do the hitting than to get hit. And I thought, Dean, you're a very intelligent man when he said that to me, I've got to say. Now then, Gordes, yep, just absolutely. to finish off, <laughs> just to finish off today, are Man United going to give you a final week of glory? Are they going to? they got Chelsea and then they've got, oh. what, Fulham?
8: Yeah, look, I've got to say, um, I I did a, I did several cartwheels. I don't think I'd be able to do cartwheels, but I did uh, a couple of cartwheels when Liverpool drew against Aston Villa on the weekend because... I was convinced, and I think I said on this, uh, maybe even said on this program last week, that I think Manchester United will drop points and Liverpool were on such a run that I thought United are, United are going to drop the Champions League. But look, United are in a situation now where they need one point from their last two games against Chelsea and Fulham to secure Champions League football. And with, at, at that stage, right, you know, United have secured a, a, a trophy in the League Cup. It's not exactly one to celebrate, but anyway, we'll take it. Um, and Champions League football, that that's a successful season for Manchester United, given where they've been. Um, and they've, I think they've clearly shown this year there's something to build on. Then we've got an FA Cup final against Manchester City. And my goodness, Smithy, if we don't win that, oh, we're, we're the only thing really standing in the way, potentially, of, of Manchester City claiming a, claiming a treble, which is, is just a nightmare scenario for me. But. It's hard to see it not happening, but, yeah, I'm, I'm certainly praying that United can pull off some kind of miracle to prevent City from claiming a treble. Um, yeah, that's the last thing we need, I think, isn't
2: it? Yeah, well, I'm a Spurs fan, and I can't wait for the bloody season to end. I've had a guts full sorry of it. To hear Sorry to that, there mate. There you go. i sorry to hear yeah, that. Sorry. sorry. Yeah. yeah, I can hear the, I can hear the pity <laughs> coming down the phone. <coughs> Gorge, thank you very much. <laughs> thanks, thanks very much, as always, mate. Uh, have a terrific week, uh, and, and thanks for your time you this too. morning. Cheers, Andrew Gordy there with us, folks uh, As I say, uh, good knows his stuff um, Been around the tracks for a long, long period of time And not scared of an opinion And particularly about the racing industry Which has uh, uh, brought a text or two in That's uh, it's cool And uh, we shall uh, get to those very shortly uh, We'll go to break uh, When we come back, Louie, with uh, prospects of racing today Tauranga, I believe Tauranga today Yeah, we'll be there shortly It's Kiwi
5: for the Rugby World Cup Thanks to the SCNZ app, I've been tuning in at all hours of the day. From Izzy to Ricardo, what a roster we have on SCNZ. It's Kiwi
0: for Sport. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and
1: service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ.
3: The loveracing.nz update. Your home for
5: everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's
2: biggest fan. Yes, seven races today uh, in the BOP at uh, Taronga. Uh, The first uh, time to go at 12.28. It will be heavy as it is uh, around the whole country. Uh, Louis, um, we won't really ask you for anything up there, but uh, we'll just continue the theme that's been coming through, um, and very passionately so. There are a lot of passionate punters out there with this information Um, and um, here's uh, uh, an interesting one from Anthony just uh, getting to the greyhound side of things Smithy and Louie if they stop the greyhounds could they go after racing I hope not, maybe the government should worry about child abuse etc that's uh, from Anthony, well certainly uh, child abuse is a big thing Um, there's no doubt about that Anthony and uh, you would assume that uh, any good government would be addressing that issue Uh, but the headlines tend to suggest it's uh, a bigger problem uh, than perhaps we Uh, All aware of, but uh, yes, um, that's the thing that worries me uh, from a punning point of view. If you win one, if you're an ante and uh, you win, uh, you tend not to stop there. So what would that mean for uh, other parts of the racing industry, Louis?
5: Well, focus. I mean, look, yes, yes, point taken, but I'm also a believer if something's wrong, something's wrong, regardless of where attention lies. So if there's another part of the industry that I'm looking at that is not meeting the standards from animal welfare or whatever, that should take attention rather, whether the focus is on greyhound racing or not. But I understand your premise around once you get momentum in this space. Um, I think while we're talking Love Racing.nz, I think one of the biggest things to remember here is if this geo-blocking situation and that big scary M-word, the monopoly, came into effect, there would be another $100 million given to the codes. And given back, well, given to the TAB to distribute within the codes. And we're talking sport as well. We're talking basketball and football, and especially those sports that are wagered on a lot because of their international, um, uh, well, I guess prowess and what people enjoy punting. For example, that the basketball, the NBA playoffs at the moment. I'm sure they're creating massive. Business at the moment uh, through that, so there there is a financial windfall here that you just can't overlook. Like at the nuts and bolts of it, this is a lot, a lot, a lot of money to sustain racing for a long time, and thoroughbreds in particular. Like what Cameron, George, and Bruce Sharrock and Darren Balcom and the crew at NZTR do, they've been working on this for a long time. Whether they start with stakes money and then move to a new series, the cash injection into the Grand Tour, which I think was a bit half-baked last year, if I'm being totally honest. I think that there could be a bit more focus on specific races, run a premiership, you know, a Grand Tour Jockeys Challenge, a Grand Tour uh, Owners Challenge, a Grand Tour's Trainers Challenge with big bonuses. Um, the money that's going to come back to Thoroughbred Racing in particular, while we talk NZTR and love uh, it's it's quite massive and... I think that it's a very exciting time now for the industry to get stuck in and actually find some solutions as far as keeping attentions and keeping punters and keeping you, the young people which Kieran Mack and rightly pointed out this is an entertainment game, it's racing versus Netflix Smithy. it's racing versus the, the 12 o'clock movie on TV 3 for God's sake
2: Oh my God, well that makes, makes a hell of a decision today, racing at Tauranga or the TV 3 movie, basically start around the same time Now that is a point of conjecture. I've got to think about that during this break. Uh, We'll get to uh, Pip Morris, hopefully. And uh, no one more invested in in terms of the media in the greyhound industry than Pip Morris. I just wonder if Pip's got an opinion on that as we head into the 11 o'clock news.
5: The SCNZ app. Download it today and never miss a moment of your favourite show. Streaming live anywhere, anytime. anytime.
0: Brand are experts in agriculture covering your equipment, parts
1: and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in our Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ
2: Right, it is uh, 10.57 here. Let's get to uh, Pip Morris very quickly because uh, Pip, the, one of the big issues we talked to uh, Kieran McInulty about this morning, the racing minister is uh, the problems facing uh, the greyhound industry. You'd be fully aware of this. Um, uh, it's it's looking pretty dangerous.
9: Absolutely. So, 15 uh, issues that need to be addressed. Obviously, 10 of them have been. Hopefully, we can get the other five underway. It would be a real shame to lose ground racing. But I know that uh, every industry participant is certainly doing their best to keep the greyhounds back.
2: Yeah, absolutely, Pip. um, There are a lot of uh, very, very good people, as always is the case in these sorts of uh, disputes. But um, let's move on to uh, today, which uh, is basketball again. Big day for Boston, maybe. It might be, yeah. We've got 85% of the money on the Miami Heat, Tante
9: Smithy, at $1.80, and there was a first. $1,000 bet based on them at that margin get to hit as well. Most popular power play is Jimmy Butler and Jason Tatum each have 25 or more points, five or more rebounds, and five or more assists at $4.50. A thousand dollars on the total points over two hundred sixteen fifty is very popular. There, too. of course the NRL, uh, plenty of buys this weekend. But we do look forward to the Warriors playing the Broncos at Napier. Seventy percent of the head-to-head money is on the Warriors at a dollar forty-two. Warriors one to twelve, the most popular winning team in margin. And don't forget, to if you do back your team to win, but you get the incorrect margin with the GAB, we'll give you a bonus bet up to fifty dollars in your account. On the Super Rugby side of things, Smitty, that's uh, Blue taking.
1: World Cup live commentary starts from September 9 on SENZ Brand
0: are experts in agriculture covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you
1: succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ
2: Right, uh, we promised you some uh, exciting news from uh, SEN and SENZ and uh, we can give it to you now because uh, we have already told you we have got the ball-by-ball rights of the World Test Championship Final and the hugely anticipated Ashes, of course. Well now we can tell you our commentary team. Uh, It is uh, led by Adam Collins. You uh, will be familiar with uh, the voice of Adam Collins, a very, very accomplished and very popular uh, British broadcaster. Uh, But we've got also Ravi Shastri and Harsha Bogle coming to you. Of course, uh, anyone that uh, follows Indian cricket uh, will know those two voices very well. Heading to Birmingham for the start of the Ashes uh, will be uh, Damien Fleming. Now, Fleming's a real character, terrific radio commentator, former quick bowler for... Uh, Australia Uh, Daniel Norcross we've heard Daniel before he's been on our show actually as a guest Uh, but more in particular from New Zealand's point of view we will hear the very familiar voice of one Jeremy Coney which is exciting for us because he's absolutely brilliant we know that and he will entertain us uh, throughout the night and the earlier hours of the morning with some wonderful cricket Uh, Jeremy Coney first question to you uh, how are you sir and where are you
10: Uh, I am well, Smithy, and I'm in Auckland at the moment, but heading back home to Picton uh, in the next day.
2: Right, Okay. so now then, Jeremy, this assignment um, in terms of uh, the British summer coming up, uh, I'm not sure in my time I can remember a more anticipated uh, series of cricket.
10: Oh, I'm a lucky fella, aren't I, really? Uh, I feel that mm. way. Uh, the Ashes always, um, I mean, you, you and I know when we were playing, such a robust kind of legacy for that, that series, isn't it, really? And, um, and it's the sort of competition that nourishes, you know, the juices of the loins, you'd have to say. Um, no quarter given. Uh, every session means something, so good chance for compelling listening and viewing for me.
2: Before that, Jerry, um, you've got a, uh, an appointment uh, at the Oval in the World Test Championship, neutral venue, India and Australia. How important do you think uh, the profile of Test cricket that this encounter is, maybe even India winning?
10: Yeah, well, that's, I mean, as soon as you say the word India, um, it means obviously a heck of a lot, doesn't it, nowadays? Um, so lots of eyeballs will be on that game, that's for sure. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be a good game, though, Smithy, isn't it? Because Australia are a competitive group. Uh, they have, they've shown that they almost made the first Test Championship that we won, I think it was only a bowling point, wasn't it? A deduction that kept them away from that uh, that, that final. So, and here they are in the second one. So, there'll be no pushover. Uh, and And they've kind of got quite a consistent, stable side as well, but maybe not as much as it used to be, you know, with the Langer Hayden Ponting war um, Martin War, Gilchrist, that kind of group in the 2000s. there are more changes, but it's still pretty consistent, I think.
2: Right, let's uh, look at uh, the Ashes in particular. I look forward to this because um, Brendan McCullum, as is always the case, is on the front foot trying to get in early. He's named his, uh, basically named his side for the first test at Baston already, which is quite incredible. Um, how, do you, how do you see this series playing out generally? Uh, bearing in mind, you've been to all these grounds, you've played, you've commentated all these grounds, you know the conditions well. Uh, how do you see this series playing out? Is there a favourite in your mind going into it?
10: Not really. I'd love to say. I mean, people say will say, oh, they stop sitting on the fence. But I, I just, it's. I mean, you've got a, a side that has kind of recalibrated themselves since McCullum and Stokes have taken over the England side, and they've suddenly achieved better results. and they're quite exciting to watch, Smithy, aren't they? I mean, I aggressive with the bat and trying to create time, you know, to get the opposition out. And so they are going to give Australia chances. You cannot bet that way. If, if, if it was easy, it would have been done years before. And so th- there are going to be chances, and I think the game can swing quite quickly. And that's what's going to make it quite absorbing, watching the game. Um, the Aussies, can they take the Aussies down, the Aussie bowlers? Who have been pretty consistent with Cummins and Hazelwood, who's kind of metronomic, Stark, who'll bring the ball back in and go across the right handers, and of course, Nathan Lyon. So that's been their, that's been their bowlers, and it's done them pretty well in conditions around the world. Okay, they were taken down in India, but other than that, they, they know England pretty well. They've got lots of players who are over there to back that side up too.
2: Jeremy, uh, Ben Stokes has uh, openly said Look, I want hard and fast pitchers I want to fight fire with fire here But I wonder if he's got enough fire uh, I, I Look, I, I see Anderson and Broad uh, in the attack I'm, I'm not sure how many tests the, either of them will play But what I do see is uh, guys that are now Because of their age, their older legs, down on pace Unless the pitchers do something They could be a bit like cannon fodder at times
10: I agree with that I, I think that, that that little decision that he's made might suit their batsmen. And there's even talk about them perhaps bringing the boundaries in a little. I don't know. But I, I, um, I, I just feel why, why make the conditions what I would describe as Australian-like rather than going mm-hmm. to the more green pastures. Um, and they've lost, as you say, they've lost Archer. But Ollie Stone was, you know, he's pacey, but I mean, he's still pretty new in terms of tests, and he's out for the first two two test matches anyway. Um, you've got Anderson with a little leg issue, but he's not the not the pace you're talking about. Stokes hasn't bowled more than two overs at the IPL. I mean that's that's suddenly changing things, isn't it? Um, and and I mean the key one for me is Robinson. I don't know what you think of Ollie Robinson, but I think he's a pretty handy English seamer to me, and gets good bounce, stands tall. What do you reckon?
2: Well, I I think it, again I I think he he is going to. A bare handful at times, but he's going to require, uh, I still think, even at his pace, the ball to do something. I mean, he's putting, to me, Stokes is putting a lot on Mark Wood. Without Archer, he's putting a lot on Mark Wood, who is a Mm. definite bounce and pace bowler. But he's susceptible to injuries. I'm not sure he'll get the whole five test matches. And Australia could get used to him very quickly.
10: Yeah well the other aspect of Stokes is not going to bowl much and I, I don't know how bad that knee injury is but we saw what he was like at the Basin didn't we and, and mm. I just feel that means that, that Leach is going to have to bowl a lot more overs even in the first innings of a match and the Aussies took him down in Australia didn't they and I just wonder whether there, there could be an opportunity for some of the Aussies there
2: I think, Jeremy, you've just touched on one of the most intriguing parts of this. People will say it'll be um, a fast bowling contest. I do not believe that for one second, because you know, as time goes on over an English summer, spin becomes more of a factor. You have, with Nathan Lyon, uh, one of the best uh, off-spinners the game has ever seen, against Jack Leach, who is far from that. It's far from that, um, uh, Jack Leach. And yet... The contest between McCullum's attitude, Stokes' attitude, to take spinners down against Lyon, for me, that is one of the battles of the summer.
10: Sure is, Um, and whether Lyon is able to combat and work out different ways, uh, if there's enough bounce, he's a bounce bowler really, isn't he? He comes over the top, Mm. and so he challenges you to defence all the time with slip, Man and close on the off side and leg side. That's where he kind of gets at you a wee bit. If there's a wee bit of turn there for him, he's gonna be difficult. But if it's not turning much, say in the first innings, he's gonna to have to have other ways to prevent this England side from taking it to him. They've got that other young lad, haven't they? Um mm. can't remember his name at the moment. Um Todd he's from, is it Todd he's from Victoria. Yeah, Todd, Tom Todd Murphy, Murphy, he's the one who got all those wickets, yeah, yeah. against the Indians, didn't he? Um, so whether he's, he's going to be used, I wouldn't have thought he would have been going in the first couple of tests. But we'll just have to wait and see. It's going to be fascinating, Smithy, just to see how this, these games pan out. And, and Jerry, it's the teams, be, I think. You, yeah,
2: yeah. Yep. It's,
10: the, it's the teams, I think, that keep their bowling sides together because, yeah. and can keep them on the park. They, If you look back at the Ashes, ever since McGrath stood on that ball years ago, um, (laughs) there have been a lot of bowlers out, whether it was Simon Jones or Ryan Harris, or I think Swan was out for an elbow at one stage in Australia. Um, Anderson limped off in one of the tests you know, early on in the first test in 2000. Jopra Arch Archer's out now. If, if it's the side that can keep those bowling, the best bowlers together for longer, I think will have an edge.
2: Uh, Jerry, you talked about um, you know the, the possibilities, and you, you thought perhaps that the Australian uh, batting side wasn't the the unit that it has been in previous years, although. Uh, It's a pretty handy damn unit to be fair But there is one variable in here And that's David Warner Now uh, nightmare last time in England Against Stuart Broad in particular You have the, I think they'll give him the first test They might even give him the first two But you're in prospect of commentating the end of What you'd say is a fairly controversial But productive career
10: Oh over 8,000 runs Smithy Um, Mm He's what is he? 36 now Um I don't know, his average is probably, I'd say, in the mid-40s, uh, 2,500s, and a, and a strike rate in tests, Smithy, of 71. That was about your mm. kind of strike rate, wasn't it? Um, and um, <laughs> I, I, just, I just think he is, he is a key man. They like him because he attacks bowlers. He makes. He's just. He's kind of the Englishman in the in the Aussie side, isn't he? It's that kind of. We'll upset the bowlers. We'll make them really uncertain as they're running in where they need to bowl here. And it's that that whole thing about are the Aussies going to stay the same? Keep the same field. Keep this. You know, it's a red ball, Smithy. It's not a white ball, Mm -hmm. so it moves as we know in with the Duke. And, and if the Aussies can do that, it's not going to be easy to slog them all around the park, I wouldn't have thought. You know, I think deep point, third man could become a really interesting spot and maybe mm. even long off, long on, you know, um, might, might be quite interesting as well. It, it's going to be fascinating the way they approach this.
2: I think uh, David Warner, you know, you you can see little signs and I I think David Warner is, um, you know, for all his bravado and that, I I just think he's getting a little bit more tentative about not just the mental side of his game, but uh, the actual technical side of his game as well. Jerry, tell us a wee bit about your team. I think that's very interesting because these are the voices we'll be listening to. Harsha, you will have worked with before, Ravi, I would imagine, and television and radio. Yep. Um, it's, nice and, yeah. it's a nice little, I'd like to use the word eclectic mix, but I, I'm not sure I've even used the right adjective here, Jerry. but tell us about, about your team.
10: Oh, it's, it's a solid side, isn't it? Uh, as solid mm. as the sides we've just been discussing, really, people who have had broadcast and cricket in their veins for years and years and then have learned on top of course, some of the skills required to describe the game nowadays also have an innate kind of sense about what's happening out there and able to relay that to people. And then you get to the Ashes sort of team. You've got that Bon Viver, which is old Daniel, Daniel in there, um, Norcross, and he he's a, has a lovely kind of voice and a, and a turn of phrase um adam collins is is really good you know really good broadcaster does a lot of cricket work as well so i mean it'll it's going to be fun being amongst there'll be a lot of laughs smithy i've got to say and we all stay together at airbnbs right around the whole of england so we bed down almost you know in the same same house together so we'll get to know each other pretty well i would say
2: I would imagine you will, Jerry, um, and yeah, I think night I, night. I think night will be as much fun as day, knowing that lot. So hey, listen, <laughs> travel, tra- tra- travel safely today. Um, travel safely to the UK, yeah. my friend, and also um, yeah. enjoy en- enjoy the, um, the prospect. What I believe is one going to be one of the the most interesting three or four months of uh, cricket coming up that we've seen in a long, long time. Uh, I know you'll do a great job. But enjoy the occasion, mate. Thank you.
10: I, I will. Cheers, Smithy. Thanks
2: very much. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Jeremy Coney there, folks. Uh, one of the great voices of New Zealand cricket, of world cricket, actually. Highly respected. You do not commentate the Ashes as a neutral unless you are highly thought of. I can promise you that. They don't muck around. Um, and he is part of our group here on SENZ. Uh, which you will be able to hear through the World Test Championship. Uh, That, of course, uh, is at the Oval. And then the Ashes starts on the 16th of June at Edgbaston. The 28th of June they go to the home of cricket lords. Absolutely brilliant. 6th of July go to Headingley up north uh, to Leeds there. And uh, uh, slightly across the Pennines, I suppose you'd say, uh, to Old Trafford, uh, where we're uh, just down the road from the famous football ground. It's the wonderful cricket ground, modernised cricket ground, Old Trafford. And then the finale, as it always is, at the Oval, beginning 27th of July, Louis Herman Watt.
5: Can, cannot wait, Smithy. Everything you and Jeremy kind of pontificated about there as far as the matchups and who needs to come off for each team to get a leg up, it's uh, it's going to be very exciting. Sean says, Jeremy Coney, outstanding addition. Um, We've got a text here from Bob saying, come on, Smithy, India can't beat Oz in England. England just like they couldn't beat us Well maybe Bob we will see Now I noticed that when when Talking about David Warner's strike rate um, Jeremy threw you a bone and suggested That his strike rate might be somewhere Similar to yourself Now Mm -hmm. you obviously know your stats Pretty well
2: no, I don't know. I don't know that, but I would have thought 71 in Test Cricket's pretty boring. Actually, that's the kind of stuff that sends you to sleep. 71 strike, 71, 71 um, runs per 100 balls in Test cricket. My oh, God, he wouldn't make the England team on that today, would you? Eh?
5: Well, well. I mean, what about as a keeper batsman? I mean, you're sort of you're sort of 63.17. Is that sort of what you were suspecting?
2: 63.17 is very, very good for someone who has the opportunity to bat. Only so very low. Uh, You know, because uh, when you're batting with the tail, um, you have to throw caution to the wind at times. Um, Some people would say you're slogging uh, and you're uh, irresponsible in some of your dismissals. Other people look a bit deeper, and I'm one of those people that looks a bit deeper at the roles of keeper batsmen down towards the end of the tail. These days, of course, keeper batsmen are there for their runs as opposed to their glove work. Their glove work is important. But uh, and e- as evidenced by the fact that England have gone for Johnny Bairstow, a terrific batsman, a very good wicketkeeper uh, against uh, Ben Foulkes, who is a terrific wicketkeeper and a handy enough batsman. There is the evidence. The prosecution rests, Louis, and I don't, and I'm not, I'm not liking what you're getting at. I'm not liking what you're getting at. So we're going to go to a break here It's
5: 11:19. Scnz, it's Kiwi for Sport. Call any time. 0800 150.
0: 811. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your
1: equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ Turn up the volume, we're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's
5: find out. 24 minutes past 11, Smithy, and uh, other than Jeremy Coney managing to crowbar movement in his loins into the conversation 30 seconds after picking up the phone, um, the punters have really enjoyed hearing you and Jeremy. Uh, Jared says, great chat with your old mate. Could listen to you guys for hours. And there's another text here, Smith. You and Jeremy Coney talking cricket is fantastic, exciting broadcast ahead so hopefully we'll be able to keep uh, Jeremy in the loop when he's up there and get him to stay up late for a few different discussions with us that would be fantastic and speaking of cricket did you see Devin Conway's well I don't want to say match winning but 40 odd to give Flem another IPL final
2: well, the brilliant. Uh, Stephen Fleming's longevity is, longevity in coaching Indian cricket teams is a really tough thing to achieve, right? Stephen Fleming has been with Chennai since day one, as a player and now through as a coach. His relationship with MS Stoney is undeniable, uh, the owners, he plays a very good game, Flem, and the good news is that Chennai do from time after time after time. He will absolutely be thrilled with the uh, impact, uh, the contribution of Devon Conway this year who has come off, I think, at least nine times uh, in this competition so far and don't bet against him in the final either. So good story, really good story. Uh, Conway, undoubted. Absolutely brilliant.
5: And, you know, interestingly, uh, during the Spark Sport commentary of the cricket, Flem was always so devoted in his passion for Devin Conway's ability. And we're talking across all formats, but especially test cricket. And it's no... no I think coincidence that he's gone over and really succeeded under his leadership at know, I think that's outstanding and, and it's really good to see him in some form ahead of that World Cup. Uh, now, interestingly enough, um, <laughs> this is probably not not overly surprising, but we have seen some more, um, well, back and forth around the America's Cup, the, the trip to Saudi Arabia to Jeddah for the pre regatta um, We've had one of... I guess this version of Team New Zealand's real detractors over the last wee while and he was a long-term member of the New Zealand Yacht Squadron. Uh, Hamish Ross, he's been involved in a lot of these legal battles with Emirates Team New Zealand back and forth and you, you see him quoted. Now there's an interesting story that's been put up on stuff.co.nz which I thought was fascinating where they've pretty much asked him for all, all his issues and uh, around where this is going and he's essentially said that this is and I'm I'm paraphrasing here, but this is what the article includes. Um, he, he's actually in, mentioned that the taking this prerogative to Jeddah is likening it to the Nazi Germany 1936 Olympics, which is you know some pretty hefty language to be using. And um, I guess he's disappointed. I just, I I do wonder around whenever we get into these America's Cup discussions what the agendas are and, you know, whose side who's on. And it gets a little bit murky, doesn't it, Smithy? But it's just, I I think this is a story to follow because I don't think this is the last we'll hear of it before this regatta goes ahead in, well, towards the end of this year.
2: It's mucky. Uh, It's mucky business. It's big money business. It's big prestige business. It's big ego business. It's big machinery business. There's so much at stake. Um, and when you get, uh, I mean, listen, let's go back to Dennis Connor. Remember Dennis Connor with Paul Holmes? Paul Holmes put it on Dennis Connor. Uh, Paul, uh, Dennis Connor left the building. Uh, you know, that's the kind of personalities. Alan Bond back there, and when the Aussies won it uh, off Stars and Stripes way, way, way back then with John Bertrand there. I mean, these are seriously, seriously high profile people with seriously, I mean, mountainous egos. Uh, and they clash. They clash off the water as much as they do on.
5: Yeah, very well said, and it has been that way for a long period of time, as you point out. Hey, could I get you one text or two before we shoot off to Stumped? This one from Grant, is, I've been wanting to get to all, all day. Re TAB and Entain. Retail outlets. So we're talking punch shops, we're talking pubs, we're talking places you can go to put a bet on. Retail outlets. Will these now be a big focus in Australia? Smithy, your, your TAB frequently visited Hamilton, the Frankton closed down after Melbourne Cup last year, had two years on their lease with the Hamilton Workingmen's Club, paid but the closed doors. Was one of the biggest turnovers in the country. Have seen a dramatic downturn in Hamilton... Um, working men's club members having a bit as a regular older punter doesn't seem to go online or use self terminals hoping this will now change now really interesting point from Grant when I went around the South Island on a bit of a tour with my partner Shannon last year we did the West Coast and one of the things that we're uh, all around the West Coast I'm talking Blackpool I'm talking Kamara, I'm talking up and down the West Coast and one of the things I came back with was oh my there is a real deep rooted connection with equine culture Going back to when we used horses and then racing, horses for mining, all that sort of thing, then racing and the connection that these regional and rural places in New Zealand have with racing. There's a a deep and intrinsic connection there. But we've turned our back on the regions because of financial situations. Um, in a racing sense and and not being able to fund a lot of this stuff, your tracks are closing down. One of the ways I think you can keep your connection is if you can make sure that people can still have a punt in these regional and rural outlets and these places around the country, there needs to be a terminal, there needs to be a a TV with racing on a lot of these places around the country. It was one of the the things that smacked me in the eyes when I came back. And I came back and I vented to Clado about it. And he said, well, why don't you do something? Well, maybe this is an opportunity to do something. Maybe Intain would see the value in promoting and investing in our regions, in our rural centres, to get racing back in the TVs, back in the pubs, back in the punch shops, and then create some grassroots and inf- you know infect the racing public that way. Do I make sense, Smithy? Am I am I rambling or
2: no? You're not rambling. Uh, I think the most amazing thing about that though, either that little um, resume that you've just put there, is that. Actually, Shannon actually went to the West Coast with you. I think that was probably the most amazing thing of the lot. But but having said that, I think you're right. Uh, You can't go and buy a a tin of paint from a paint shop if the paint shop's not open. Uh, Get my drift. Uh, A a bed is a product. Um, And one of the great things um, was the personal contact about losing or winning your money and building a relationship with a person across the counter, just like when you used to go to the bank and have a favourite teller, for God's sake. Those (laughs) days are gone too. Yeah, I mean it's just Oh it drives me up The frigging wall banking the amount of money Those dudes are making You see they make They increase the interest One of them increased Their interest profit By 1.6 billion dollars That's the interest alone Car quality Oh my godfathers My godfathers oh, We've got to do Something different Let's get to Stump Smithy For how long
1: Bye, Smithy Ian Smith
7: really is Top class at his job
2: Rightio, it's uh, that time of the day and uh, we've had uh, the switchboard lighting up. But incidentally, uh, we won't probably, uh, because we've got to go to um, Andy Thompson uh, very shortly as well, we probably won't have enough time to get through all your texts. So what I promise that we'll do is we're going to keep them. We're going to keep them and address them uh, throughout the show tomorrow. We're also going to try also uh, perhaps to get hold of someone from the greyhound racing industry under severe threat. Uh, we're going to follow up because it's such a... Um, proves such a popular topic this or unpopular depending on which way you look at it uh that we can't ignore it louie
5: can i just use your show and your platform Smithy, very quickly just to promote um a brand very close to my heart which is the good oil you've heard the yeah. radio show on the weekend there's an instagram page there's a twitter page what i'm going to do when we get off here i'm going to go live on the good oil instagram page i'm going to take photos of all of these techs it's a different audience, but hopefully you can, some of you can go across and, and meet me there. I'm going to take photos of all these texts. I'm going to go out and lie down on the couch like I need to talk to a, someone that's a professional in this space. And I'm going to go through them and I'm going to talk to you about it uh, because I think we've got to keep this um, pumping until we get to Saturday when we do a special show on it. So go to the Good Oil Instagram and I'll get to your texts after the show as well as tomorrow.
2: OK, cool. Um, right, uh, we will continue that theme, no doubt. But our theme of the uh, the moment, the theme of the minute, of course, is the, the stump smithy one. Uh, so, Louis, you're in charge. Who have we got uh, lined up today?
5: Well, I'm going to go down and stay... Well, actually, no, I, don- I can't say that because it'll sound like I'm biased. We're going to go to Dunedin. We're going to go to Luke. Hello, Luke.
7: Morning, lads. How are we?
2: Yeah, Luke's a pretty bright cookie I know Luke uh, Luke's got a pretty good record as well So let's make some of these subjects a little tougher Luke, because he's, he's pretty much mainstream So what, what have we got lined up? We could do football,
5: basketball or boxing, Luke
6: Or oh, let's go with
11: basketball Okay
5: Which team is currently leading the Sales NBL for points per game?
11: Mm. Ooh, it's
7: a good game. I want to say nuggets, but um, I'm going to go to a Tara.
4: One of the worst things
11: I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
2: Ian. You can't, beat un- you can't beat unbeaten, can you? I mean, you can't, which means you're scoring a lot more points than anyone else. I mean, I just have to go with us. The S-E-N-Z Otago Nuggets. Tell me I'm tell me I'm successful, please. One of the Richard.
9: worst things I have ever seen
2: done on Ooh. the cricket field.
5: And I, and I actually think you're double wrong. So didn't they get rolled by the Tuatara in the weekend, Luke? Oh, did they? They did. On oh, last Thursday, yep.
2: All right, OK. Rightio. Rightio.
5: <laughs> Out of the four teams <laughs> of the NBA Conference Finals, well, there's only three now. What player shares the lead with Jokic oh, in the, the points Who by the way?
2: Just the answer, by the way?
5: Oh, my apologies. Shot, yes. shot the gap. Uh, Wellington Saints,
2: 94.4. Oh, my God. Okay, there you go. Right. Didn't okay, see that, that one coming.
5: Uh, out of the port, four teams in the NBA Conference Finals, which player shares the lead with Jokic in the points per game category with
3: 29.9? Oh... No, I'm just getting out. No. no idea. No idea. Oh, One I've of got the got worst things
7: oh, yep, I have no, ever seen
4: nothing. done on a
2: cricket field. Luke's got nothing. All I've got. Well, there's a number you could have a crack at here. I only go Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, oh. right in the slot, and away it goes. Brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely, Jimmy Bucket's <laughs> Butler. Um, he'll lead the Heat to victory, I think, today over the Boston Celtics. Luke, uh, cheers, man. Uh, we'll catch you next time. All the best.
11: See ya.
5: Right. You're happy with that, Smith? and you should be. Scott, he's in the capital in Wellington. And Scott, this is it. Before joining the Heat, Jimmy Butler, who did he play for? What was his team? Who did he get traded from?
2: Oh, no. Oh, that's,
7: basketball's not my go. So, uh um
4: I hate. Uh, 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 the Knicks. One of the worst things oh, I have no.
2: ever
5: seen done on a cricket field.
2: Terrible. Nah, not the Knicks. Um, Jimmy Butler's played for a few sides. He's a genius basketball player, just by the by. I think he's absolutely fantastic. Um, I'm going to have a crack at uh, one or two sides. I think he played at one stage. I think he actually was a Chicago Bull early on in the piece. Um... But Jimmy Butler, for me, um, I think he might have uh, come from either the Minis- uh, Minnesota or someone along that lines. He might have almost played, I think, um, gosh. I- I'll tell you what I do. I- I'm going to say the Minnesota Timberwolves. I'm sure he played for the Minnesota Timberwolves in his time. One of
11: the worst things I have ever seen oh, didn't. done on a cricket field. Clearly oh, he definitely
5: didn't. did. He definitely did oh, He no, played, for the, no. played for the Timberwolves And then he forced his way out of the Timberwolves Because he thought that they were too soft And then he went to Philadelphia And then he forced his way out of Philadelphia Because he thought they were too soft And he went to Miami And now he's a, found a team that's not soft So Scott, congratulations
2: You, you somehow win well, I'll, I'll take
11: that on a subject I don't
2: know much about so. <laughs> Yeah, well done Scott Absolutely fantastic uh, Hope you have a terrific day in the capital and uh, we'll catch up with you shortly. Just to make sure that Brian's got your details before you hang up and uh, we'll progress on. Uh, folks, we've got to catch up uh, with Andy Thompson uh, before uh, midday because it's uh, Rural Roundup Day. We'll catch up with Steffi as well. Might have an opportunity as well uh, to read out to two or three more texts too. Uh, thanks uh, so much for everyone and your part in the show today. You've been brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Love your opinions on the, this subject, uh, which won't go away, but is a fait accompli if you can read it that way. 11.40. It's
11: getting there. Yep. You done the barossa,
0: SCNZ, Andy? it's Kiwi no, for sport. Keep Don't up to date on Twitter up. and Instagram at okay. SCNZ underscore radio. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts,
1: and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ.
2: Right, it's 11.45 on a Wednesday, and you know what that means? It's uh, Rural Roundup Day, and that means we've got a preview. Uh, Andy Thompson's show, he's with us, uh, joins us uh, from Christchurch this morning as uh, a look at Andy. Um, and what a, a, a headline this is, Andy, uh, because when I travel overseas, people still have me on about being you know, a sheep rather than a person. Um, and I've, I've seen this uh, stat to say the ratio of sheep to people now has fallen below 5 to 1. Uh, You know, in 1982, you'll know this anyway, it was 22 to 1. What's happening, man?
11: Absolutely, Smithy. Well, yes, um, 72 million sheep or something like that in New Zealand in the early 80s, gone down to 25 and a half. The ratio of 22 sheep to every one person in New Zealand was a good joke. We all know how much the Aussies love that joke, don't we? Uh, and we've gone down to 5 to 1, 25 million sheep. I'll tell you the thing about that stat, so Smithy, uh, Smithy. You know the old, uh, was it Churchill that said lies, lies, damned lies and statistics? Um, 72 million sheep down to 25, we are now more productive with 25 million sheep. We produce more kilograms of sheep meat with 25 million sheep than we did with 72 million sheep. That's called genetics, that's productivity, that's what's happened in the last 30 30 to 40 years. So, yeah, it's an interesting stat. And the reasons why that is happening is many and varied. Um, Wool is worth absolutely nothing. Uh, We've got this amazing transition that happened from sheep to dairy, particularly in uh, the South Island over into the 90s and into the early 2000s. But more recently, the transition from um, high country sheep farms or these beautiful stations, sheep and beef stations, to forestry. So um there's a lot of concern about it Smithy and a lot of questions being asked but if you ask me the um New Zealand sheep will still be there for a long long time and uh, the productivity will continue.
2: Okay that's uh, good to, good to hear uh, Andy. Um we've had some The pretty Aussies rough will still give us a hard
11: time though Smithy. You know that they'll still What oh, they call do? Us. I'd, you know they've got th- they've got actually more sheep than we've got. Did you know that? Um, but they've yeah. just got more people, so the ratio is not five to one for them. It's three to one, so they get three each. That's, that's fair. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, uh, I, don't, I don't want to talk about the Aussies. I'd rather talk about Hawks Bay, to be honest, Andy, uh, because we haven't had a lot of good news of late. But uh, I just see a headline: Hawke's Bay announced as one of the world's great, great, I say, wine capitals. Brilliant news
11: with the likes, um, joining the likes of Bordeaux in France and the Napa Valley in the US. So that is absolutely fantastic. Um, And do you know what that'll mean? With that being announced, so becoming official, I mean, you and I both know that um, that, that Hawke's Bay wine is fantastic. You know, Sauvignon Blanc, Syrahs from the Gimlet, the Gimlet Gravel, Syrahs, the Hawke's Bay Syrah, fantastic wine. But it will validate it for overseas tourism. And so it will bring a lot of – because there's this whole world travel where people go to the world's great wine areas – And it'll basically validate it. And they'll be able to go, hey, and and Hawke's Bay will be able to market it as we are one of the 12 great wine areas on the planet. So um, it should be fantastic for tourism for the Hawke's Bay. Just hope you guys are um, ready for it.
2: Yeah, one of the sad things, of course, as you drive through the Esk Valley is to see the the number of uh, vineyards that have been ruined, completely and utterly ruined, and can't cash in on this uh, at the moment or in the foreseeable future. But... Um, we know about all that, that Andy What about the rest of your show What have you got lined up for us today Matt
11: Well I'm looking forward to um, our first interview of the show actually And um, I've got Ethan Blackadder on the show So I thought we'd um, just have a wee yarn to Ethan uh, Find out about his injury He's going to tell us when he's going to be back So I'm looking forward to that and also um, have a bit of a yarn to him about his contract. He's re-signed with the Crusaders and New Zealand Rugby through to twenty to the end of 2025. Uh, so how excited is he about that? So uh, I've got Ethan on the show. going to chat to a young lady by the name of Ellie Perringham. She is well known for the Will to Live charity. Um, they've run out of money. Basically, uh, there has been so much des- draw on this mental health and support after the cyclones that um, her charity, they raised 130000 bucks over the past few years. Basically, they've used the whole lot. So I'm um, going to talk to her about that. What can we do to help them out? Um, Paul Fairbrother from Waterforce. Now, I'm, I need some help on this, Smithy. I'm going to go and do a video this afternoon. I need your advice. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're well known in front of the camera. I could do a video for Waterforce. Um, what, you know, can you give me a tip? What do I need to do?
2: It's a piece to cam, is it, or is it um, – Yes, how, how piece it to work? cam. Yeah, piece to right. cam. Right, okay. Yeah. Duration? Duration of your oh, part?
11: S- six or seven minutes.
2: Wow, that is a long time to be on camera. I mean, yeah. I don't think I've ever been on camera. Have you got uh, – are you by yourself or you've got someone with you?
11: No, I'm interviewing somebody. Yeah, I'm interviewing Paul, ah, and we're talking okay. about a product. So, yeah. But it's it's to camera, and I'm, I'm used to it on radio where no one can see me, you know, so it's easy. Well
2: – you know, well, it's time people did see you, Andy. Uh, you've got to put that <laughs> handsome dial, look straight down the barrel, uh, <laughs> yep. and and uh, when you when you're talking to your interview subject, uh, treat it as a conversation that we're looking in on, as opposed to a, you know, a talent show as such. That's what I like. That's what I like. So um, that would right. be my advice to you. You're con- you're you're having a conversation, and, and we're privileged enough to be um, looking in on it. Andy, sounds like a, I- a great. I wish wish you all the best with that. Um, and uh, the show coming up in around about eight, nine minutes' time will give you a chance to get uh, everything in, in order um, as we speak. So uh, and, uh, on that subject, Staffy too will have his show going on the Auckland and Wellington frequencies, and he's got the rest covered with uh, Rural Roundup. We'll be back to talk to staff um, momentarily.